this uh Sammy, we're going to be talking about a magical year for me. I think 1989, I probably watched more than 100 movies, both on VHS or in the theaters, being the indoor kid that I was. Uh, very asthmatic, very allergic. <laughs> and uh, this was this was the golden era for uh, for movies. And we can talk about all the hits that came out this year, but I, I want to stick to um, Weekend at Bernie's. You love that movie. I do. I love uh, it's sort of... You know, just playing with a dead body yeah. in a PG-13 way. Right. You know, I think they uh, they could remake this movie with a, with a hot corpse. Right. So it's like softcore cadaver porn? Yes. Mm-hmm. Weekend at Bernie's, man. Uh, that was one. The other movie I think I saw in the theater, you know, aside from the, the mega hits, uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Love that movie. Yeah. And uh, those dudes, they... Uh, I, now I recently rewatched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and I think that uh, both Keanu and um, Winters they 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 were just playing special needs kids. <laughs> They're very California special needs kids. Very 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 dumb. Yeah, their performances are are borderline um, offensive. Mm. You know, they kind of went full. Full retard in a uh, I am Sam type way, you know. Yeah. So, uh, so that was, but Bill and Ted's man, it it uh, parts of it really hold up. I love that George Carlin's in it. I like the music in it. Uh, <laughs> I, I like think... the idea of going back in time and collecting a whole array of historical characters. Yeah. I loved I loved the, the sequel as much. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Yeah. Well, I don't remember it too well, except that they play chess with death. They which did is chess with death. really cool. Uh, that's that's something I think about all the time. And then they brought back Genghis Khan, Lincoln, yes, Napoleon. They went to a water park in the mall. Or is that the first one? That was the second one. I feel like uh, in the, the in the first one they brought back all those guys. Oh, that was so good. And uh, you know, it's funny that to, to to bring Genghis Khan back now. I mean, now it'd be different in the uh, Me Too era. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you take like a twenty three and Me test, we're all a little. A little Genghis Khan. Yeah, like that dude spread his seed. Yeah, he did. Whether it was consensual or not consensual, he was. Guessing. Yeah. yeah. He, he definitely enjoyed his, his uh, victories. He also spawned the Dothraki movement. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, I uh, yeah, I saw a ton of movies. And Batman came out that year, Ghostbusters 2. And, uh, and we're talking about Roadhouse today, which I didn't see. In no, both of our first times. Yeah, yeah. so we're we're going to cover Roadhouse today, and it slipped underneath both of our pop culture radars. Yeah, because so many other great movies were coming out right. in '89, and I was getting driven to some of these films by my dad. We had a cassette uh, deck in the car, and he oh. was constantly playing Paula Abdul's album. Your dad was. Yeah, he loved it, and uh, Cold Hearted was a hit from '89, mm-hmm. a Paula Abdul classic. There's, yeah, she was she was on fire. Straight up, straight up. Now tell me. Yeah, that's another great one. That's a great opposites one. attract. It's a great track. And uh, my mother loved Millie Vanilli. She around did? the same era. Yeah, yeah. I don't think she even cared that they were lip syncing. I don't think anyone really cared. No, today everybody does it. Yeah, everything's auto tuned. Everybody's lip syncing. So it's not like they even wrote their own music or lyrics. Nobody they wrote were their manu- own music. They were very manufactured. Yeah, but you know what they were really good at? What's, what's... Tra- trampolining? Yes, they were big in it. They were trampoline like Olympic uh, Olympic trampolinists before they became uh, yeah. pop yeah. sensations. Yep. So in Germany, they were they, German. Yeah, yeah. So that's interesting that the Germans had a, an Olympic um, bouncing team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like jamboree for adults. Hoppers. They're uh, called hoppers. Hoppers. <laughs> the German, the German form of hopping. Yeah. Uh, I also here's a creepy music fact for 1989. Yeah. Bill Wyman, who was the bass player for the Rolling Stones until 1993, mm-hmm. in 1989, Bill Wyman was 52 years old, and he got married for a second time to uh, an 18 year old named Mandy Smith. Okay, and he said, "Hey, uh, they've known each other. They'd known each other since she was 13. So they started dating when Mandy Smith was 13, and he was 47." So how about that? People get mad at R. Kelly now, you know? 
I get it. Totally acceptable to be upset with R. Kelly, but these creeps have been creeping. Yeah, that's... Since the beginning of rock and roll, baby. I don't even know how that enters into your mind as an option. Yeah, can you imagine there's like a Rolling Stones tour that's happening around this time, like 88, before they actually tied the knot? And uh, backstage, it's all these like old wrinkled dudes. And then uh, this 17-year-old just wanders back. What about when she was 13? Yeah, I mean, that's the creepiest part. He was 43. Yeah. Was Bill telling the rest of his crew about, he's like, hey, you guys uh, check out this photo of this 13-year-old. I don't know why he's got an Australian accent now in my head. I can't talk to anyone under the age of 30 in a dating sense now at my age, and I don't. I I can't even talk to 25-year-olds. Yeah. Yeah. Like, even on a personal level, not even dating aside. Yeah, they don't know anything that I know. Nothing nothing to talk about. I bring up this stuff. I bring up 89, and they're like, what? That's when my grandparents were watching. Yeah, they loved Bill and Ted's. Shout out to all our guests that were under the age of 27. By the way, you guys were great. (laughs) We're not talking about you. I love everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 1989? But I'm not going to date a 17-year-old. That's all I'm saying. No matter how rich and famous I get. I'm never. That's that's uh, two steps back. Yeah, that's uh, another Paul Abdul song. That's right. Nice work, Gabe. Uh, Energizer Bunny. I think we both put that in our notes for yep. this <laughs> this we year. Did. <laughs> if you ever wanted to see stuffed animals on meth, that yeah. was your first uh, first first showcase. Um, um, and our, I th- I thought that was a timeless iconic mascot for batteries. Still use it today. Yeah. I mean, why? Why? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Farfik Nugan was uh, introduced. Which is the German word for, who knows, rack and pinion steering, I guess. Or like just being happy. Sure. It sounds like um, an ice cream flavor for Haagen-Dazs. It does, right? Instead of like a, mid, uh, a mid-subcompact a uh, mid German automobile. It sounds like a flavor I'd be allergic to. It probably has nuts in it. Yeah. Um, cotton. Was reintroduced. Love cotton. The fabric of our lives. Eli Whitney, the cotton gin. After 300 years of just horrible press, cotton was trying to remake itself into a more wholesome uh, fabric. Oh, yeah. So good for them. Were they they rebranding? Yeah. I mean, I feel like they had probably a pretty big budget for advertising, given all the free free labor (laughs) was used to cultivate it for... Hundreds of years. Yeah. Well, what were they competing against in the in the mid nineties? Rayon. Yeah. <laughs> Polyester. I wore a lot of rayon. Um, Button ups. Yeah. <laughs> I was part of that New Jack City era. Right. That New Jack right. swing look. Um, people were. You know, everyone was dancing. You know, the dance of the year, eighty nine. Yeah, I know you're going to tell me. I'm going to tell you right now. It was yeah. The electric slide. Oh snap! So that fucking happened to us then. Mm-hmm. Never forget. That uh, sounds like uh, something that you would have heard over the loudspeakers at any amusement park you went to. Like, still to this day, yes. that happens at weddings and shit. Um, people were uh, listening to their $80 Sony Walkman whilst electric sliding. That was a big deal. The Walkman was burst onto the scene then. I think the Walkman was probably a much better a music source than the later Discman. The Discman was horrendous. That was two steps back again. Again. Yeah. Straight up, now tell me. The Walkman is the AK-47 of teenage music listening devices. Was, yeah, remember the G-Shock and the skip protection? We talked about it before, but yeah. what, a, what a terrible idea. But you could just throw a Walkman across the room and it would keep working. Yeah, it's true. Couldn't do that with a CD player. Do you remember Phil Collins' timeless homeless tale, uh, Another Day in Paradise? I don't think the reason that I know Phil Collins really is uh, because from American Psycho. I don't think oh, I ever right. listened to his music. Back in the 80s. That was Genesis? Yeah, he was in Genesis, right? So that was, uh, yeah. Yeah, he was the... uh, Patrick Bateman's uh, uh muse. I just know Phil Collins is sort of like a old... He seemed old even in the 80s. Yeah, You know, It's his baldness, I think, that did it. And it's just uh, his his shortness. Yeah. He just looked small. And during that time period, if you ever look at pictures of bands back then, it was just a bunch of dudes with big hair and, and the tightest jeans and cowboy boots. I liked Phil Collins because he was more unique. Yeah, he was like a little roly-poly character in a sea of glam rock. Yeah, but he was like a talented, like an amazingly talented drummer, and made made some some decent tracks back then. Yeah, um, there was the one with all the Muppet, the puppets. Do you remember that video? Oh dear God, no! Okay, he was into puppet play. <laughs> Something I don't know what I don't know what I would call it, but yeah, uh, it was a it was a good video. 
The um, Another Day in Paradise was a sad, sad slow jam about uh, homelessness, the rise of homelessness in, in, in the world, not just America. Wow, issues. Casey Kasem let me know the whole backstory to that song. Remember, yeah. Uh, I an 11-year-old tear for it. It's so funny when um, when rock bands or, like, rock superstars take up these, um, like, apolitical uh, causes. Mm-hmm. Or they, like, depoliticize these things. It's like Hands Across America. Or uh, like, why can't we all just get together? Or the um, or the or what's we are the world? Remember that nonsense. Oh, yeah. And then this uh, song's about homelessness. Yeah, like who, like the the least uh, connected human beings. These jet set uh, penthouse superstars singing songs about hungry people. Well, someone's got to do it. Remember, I'm going hungry. Temple yes. of the Dog. Sure. Yeah. Good song. Uh huh. I wonder how many people went to go volunteer at a homeless shelter after <laughs> listening to that. That's a good point. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, 1989, man, we're going to talk about Roadhouse. Yep. Oh, I'm super excited to dive into this movie, man. It's got Patrick Swayze in yeah. it. Oh, snap. And uh, I know Patrick Swayze mostly from not watching his movies. <laughs> <laughs> I I love Patrick that's Swayze so, in so true. in Point Break. You know, I love oh, him in right. Point. He's so good in that as the leader, the charismatic surf surfing leader of the bank robbers. But that seemed like a fluke. I I didn't really know him as an action movie star. And I think that uh, the other big film that I knew him from was Ghost, which I haven't seen either. Never so. seen Ghost. Outsiders. He was in. Okay. Yeah. 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 So so I guess he's been around. But I thought of him as kind of like a a weird uh, heart throbby. Yeah. Um, actor, but uh, not for whatever my demographic was at the time. Like, I wasn't out there trying to watch Ghost. Or right. even Outsiders was a little bit before my time. Right. Well, I read the book as a kid, and, and I, I saw the movie. It has the cast of everybody's in it. Yeah, um, was that mandatory reading? It was in my elementary school, yeah. Yeah, they were like, you need to read this book Great about book. gangs. Gang um, culture in the 50s. About the, cl- the, cl- the class wars. Um, yeah. Was it? Is it a, a film... Uh, snobs versus slobs type, or is yeah, it, jocks uh, versus outsiders is basically socias they called them. Ah, uh, <laughs> that um, was a big thing in the eighties. It's good, I liked it. And uh, who Kelly Lynch is in this movie, and you may know Kelly Lynch uh, from our review of Cocktail, which That's came right. out in nineteen eighty eight. You so. know, it took me a second to figure out which one she was. Yeah, um, but she's a she's a, a stunning looking woman. And I'll tell you what I love uh, the 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 other actors in this. Um, ben Gazzara, he's like I don't know if we've covered him before, but he I think of him as like Hollywood royalty. His career started in '57, and I'm not it, familiar with him. He uh, well, he's just been do- he was doing it for like 40, 50 years. Yeah. Before he passed away pretty recently of uh, cancer. But uh, I in the early '90s I was watching tons of movies. Yeah. Like as thinking man like like. Uh, you know, this was the era of independent cinema and um, happiness. He's he's in happiness. Is he's he? in the Big Lebowski, and then going back to the seventies, he was in one of my favorite Cassavetti's movies, The Killing of a Chinese Bookie. So I knew him. I knew him and loved him from these three films. Yeah, but he, I looked him up on Wikipedia, and he's just got like you know he's he's been in a hundred movies. I mean, him and Swayze were uh, kind of held the line acting wise like Swayze always like, <laughs> that was interesting thing about him I never pictured him as an action star yeah but he can act a little so yeah. it was a kind of like refreshing like he, he did a good job in this one. Oh my god dude I, watching this I thought that this character that he plays Dalton he plays this character Dalton yeah um uh, watching him in this I thought oh wow he could have been in the uh, Expendables he could have been cast in any movie that starred Steven Seagal yeah you know because he's got that I think he's a better actor than Steven Seagal, but he plays that same sort of sensitive, peaceful warrior. Right. With a mysterious backstory. I think you're a better actor than Steven Seagal. I don't think that was... I don't think... <laughs> There's this amazing video online of uh, like a bloated Steven Seagal. He's just a shit human being. Have apparently. you seen it? He's, it's, it's pretty new. He looks like a boiled hot dog. And he's, <laughs> he's in a gi and he just he saunters out slowly like he's just had way too many peanut butter and jelly like sandwiches um and he saunters out into the and starts showing off his aikido skills 
by knocking over much younger and much more virile men mm. who are clearly letting him do it. Like yeah. it's all choreographed. Um, it's like Elvis, late, late stage Elvis. I just feel like that dude has a tiny penis. <laughs> That's always what I thought about that guy. So he was wearing a gi. Yeah, and he's just... And he, had to get, he probably got stuffed into it like a sausage case. Yeah. They, have to, they have to lace him up with gi, lather him up with clarified <laughs> butter just to fit him into that thing. He looks so bored and uh, gross. Fuck Steven Seagal. Like, uh, <laughs> I want to have a board of doctors watch this video with me and tell me what their armchair diagnoses are for the what what's going wrong with his body. Type 6 diabetes. So, uh, and then we've got... Um, Sam Elliott's the the only other actor of note that I I wanted to um, name check right at the beginning of this. He's awesome. Another Big Lebowski. Yeah. Crossover. One of, he's my favorite uh, cowboy narrator. He was literally born to play a cowboy narrator. <laughs> yeah. There's nobody better. So my history with uh, Roadhouse is I never saw it. Uh, it just seemed corny mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. You know, I, I lived in a city. We both lived in D.C. I was like, who cares about this, like, country, what, road, like, even the name Roadhouse. It was like Hillbilly Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, and uh, and Swayze seemed like a corny dude, mm-hmm. you know, like, Point Break, Point Break was a fluke that he was in it, so I didn't pay, I didn't care uh, when this came out, and so I'm really excited that we're watching it today for uh, Eat, Pray, Judge. Uh, and now, I, I would say, if I was going to retitle Roadhouse, uh, I'd call it Bar Rescue meets Kung Fu. <laughs> I thought it should have been called Flesh Wound, because <laughs> that's the only thing that ever happens. He just gets, like, slightly stabbed. <laughs> Multiple times <laughs> throughout this movie. And honestly, uh, Roadhouse is a, is a bad, it's a bad movie that is, I can't stop thinking about, though. Just a lot of fun to watch. It's super fun to watch. I think that if I'd seen it in the 80s, it would have been, or 89, it's 89, but it's, it is peak 80s. Yeah. It's got all of these cool 80s tropes in it. Um, the storyline is actually more, I don't want to say complicated, but it's a storyline you can argue about over, it's and over and over again. It's yeah, there's a lot going on in yeah. this. Uh, but it, but when, I, when I say peak 80s, there's like monster trucks in it. There's uh, Ferraris. Yep. There's uh, gold cards. Again, feathered hair, opulence. Yeah. Uh, Height of the 80s. Helicopters. Yeah. You know, um, the stretch limo. It's a uh, it's it's a western. Well, but you know what? I'd call it a, a midwestern. Yeah, a nouveau. <laughs> you know, because it it falls into these tropes of uh, like a man with no name. Okay, so in uh, Roadhouse, we'll go through it a little bit. But yeah. there's uh, we got this character named Dalton, played by Patrick Swayze. So you're gonna get into the synopsis for everyone. Yeah, and cool. Dal- Dalton's what we call a he's a he's a specialized. Uh, bouncer known as a cooler and they bring him in as a hired gun yeah. to fix up rowdy establishments and help them set up a uh, security protocol also he has a phd in psychology from some new york uh college can you believe it baruch was it baruch was it, was it pace <laughs> um lehman college in the bronx yeah. <laughs> so which is where i got my master's degree Shout out to Lehman College. Anybody in the Bronx listening, <laughs> I'm here for you, fam. Uh, so he is, uh, yeah, man, he's like, a, he's this uh, peaceful warrior who uh, gets hired at the beginning of the film to go and rescue a roadhouse in Missouri, just a little ways outside of Kansas City, I guess. And he is, uh, and they're going to pay him $5,000 up front plus $500 a night. Which... All, all medical covered. All medical covered, yeah. This huge, is a, huge for bouncers. This is a huge deal. Yeah. So, and you know, in 1989 money, what's that? That's like got to be like $10,000. 14 mil. <laughs> $8 billion. <laughs> That's Jeff Bezos' money. Right. And, uh, and, but, you know, there's mission creep attached to this freelance gig because he shows up in the town, and we see that it's not only a rowdy bar that he has to uh, turn around but the whole town is under the thumb of uh, Ben Gazzara's character. He plays the heel in this, and uh, this guy's name, the bad guy's name is Brad Wesley, played by Ben Gazzara, and he is a petty tyrant in the town who kind of runs an extortion racket where all of the small businesses have to pay him money, and uh, he, he's, he's just a real bully. And, he's the, and his uh, idiot relatives 
work at this bar. So when uh, Dalton tries to clean up the bar, um, you know, there's blowback because there can be only one one chief in this town, and that is Brad Wesley. Yeah. So it comes to a head. Uh, you know, the whole movie is just this tension between the, these two men uh, trying to, one, um, uh, Dalton trying to clean up the town, and um, Wesley trying to con- continue to control it. I feel like Dalton was just trying to specifically clean up that bar, which uh, the club, the Deuce, what is it called again? The Double Deuce. Double Deuce. Which is a a, a giant dump. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I could think of when I heard that name. I was like, oh gosh, this is a, this bar is just a toilet clogger. I thought about 22s of Heineken, but. Like a big fat Lincoln log. <laughs> That's where we differ. So uh, I'm pretty low energy in my description of this so far. but I, mean, I feel like that's you covered it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but it is, you know, this is a timeless tale. We see this happen all over, all, all the, all over in Westerns, you know, and all of the Clint Eastwood um, Man With No Name series. There's a guy who wanders into town, and the town is being oppressed by some sort of tyrant or some outlaw in his gang of desperados. Or you also see this in um, Mad Max, Road Warrior. You know, so in a way, this is a Midwestern version of Road Warrior with uh, Coronas instead of gasoline. Yeah, and Miller High Life. Yeah, 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 it's a Miller. It's a Miller High Life world, and Ben Gazzara's uh, petty tyrant uh, Brad Wesley is Lord Humongous. (laughs) (laughs) Just uh, and he's he's cool. He's like a perfect '80s um, villain. Sure, sort of like a like a businessman who's going through a midlife crisis. Funny hats, pocket squares. Yeah, ascots. Mm-hmm. He's got his own helicopter. He does. And a, and a crew of uh, young goons. Yep. Young guys. And he's got an, an uh, jazzer-sizing aerobics instructor girlfriend who's 20 years younger than him, yep. who he gives black eyes to. Yep. So there's some domestic abuse in there to show that he's really bad. He's also a big game hunter. So he, he, he likes to kill and stuff animals. Yeah. Pure evil. Pure evil. Um, so the double deuce, Swayze goes in to clean it up. Uh, his vision was simple. Kill them with kindness. Um, you know, he's talking to the bouncers. He fires a lot of the staff, ruffling some feathers along the way initially. To yeah. Set, up his, set his precedent. I love the double deuce. When we first walk in and we see it, I think this is the the Foot Clan. Can, what, sorry, this is a Foot Clan hangout. Yeah. From uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Only everybody in there is over forty, right? And uh, it looks like a, a WWF steel cage match. With, well, they, with they, booze. You, yeah, they've got a chicken wire over the over the stage. Yep, that seems to be a common trope with uh, certain films when they when they do uh, bands, violent band settings in honky tonk bars. Remember the Blues Brothers? They were yeah, on chicken wire. Exactly. Richie Valens didn't have chicken wire. No, he didn't need it. Mm-mm. No, because he was able to uh, soothe the savage beast with his, uh, with his dulcet guitarist. tones and his uh, his finger picking. Similarities between uh, Dalton and Richie Valens don't end there. Tell me more. Dalton does not like to fly. Ha! It's not safe, he said. Yeah, yeah. Someone can tell you that for sure. He, um, so, yeah, Dalton, we will, uh, this guy, man, when we first meet him, he is calm under pressure. Uh, the first thing we see is that he takes a stabbing without breaking a sweat. And then he starts stitching himself up. Yeah, that's a, a life lesson. Never fuck with a dude who can stitch himself up. Yeah. I, he's just better at shit than you are. Oh, my God. I don't know if I could do it today, even with YouTube tutorials. I'm gonna, I'll bet money you could. No offense. You know what you need? You definitely need to get Doctors. at least a little lidocaine. Sure. You need or some absol, some some mm. sort of topical uh, anesthetic that you can rub right on that wound. Or just a leather strap to bite on while you uh, try to try to suture yourself up. Yeah, you don't you don't do it uh, right <laughs> freehand and raw with no pills in your system. Yeah, you need to you need some drugs. Yeah, but he's a he's a Mister Fix It, you know, a Winston Wolf, and he cleans up these tough bars. He kind of reminds me of a, he's a greaser fantasy, you know. He's just like a wandering around sentient muscle car street fighter that just <laughs> whose name precedes him. Yeah. You know, everywhere he goes, people are like, oh, are you Dalton? It's Dalton. Oh, you know Dalton's here. It's Dalton. Yeah. I already killed a man. That's how you set the uh, set the tone. And uh, he's he's a uh, but, you know, as much as I thought this guy would just be like an idiot who knows how to do roundhouse kicks. They do paint him as a pretty clever guy. Yeah. Like one of the things he does is he. 
everywhere he goes, he he drives there in a Mercedes, but then he puts that Mercedes in storage. He's got like a nice car, mm. and then he buys it just a piece of shit car. Actually, that car looked awesome. The V eight. Oh, the one that he got. Yeah, yeah, he'll he'll like pick up like some muscle cars. I'm or a he... fan of those Detroit muscle cars now. Yeah, used car. He gets them used cars that you fix up yourself. Remember the bikers in the beginning when he pulls up in the Benz? They're like, "What's wrong with the Detroit car?" <laughs> and I have to agree with them. What is wrong with the Detroit car? Yeah, well, I think this movie made that car. You know, they still made it sexy. Yeah, but I think he would have picked anything. He would have picked. He would have picked a Gremlin or a Pinto if that was cheap on the lot. Yeah, and he. Uh, yeah, but it's clever. You know that he he doesn't he 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 takes his own car and he hides it, and then he buys a car that's totally disposable and expendable. Smart. During, for the time that he's going to be there, because he knows that he's going to create a lot of uh, he's get, trouble comes looking for him. It does that's the thing about Dalton? Yeah, and you know? he's smaller than he should be for that line of work. Apparently, <laughs> like a running theme. We hear that often. Um, yeah, and uh, but other things that make him kind of clever are he uh, he keeps a copy of his medical records with him. Smart. How I don't even do that. Nobody does that because we have the internet now. <laughs> You know, but the thing is, is our medical records, I don't think that they exist in a cloud somewhere. I think any time that you go and meet a new general practitioner. Well, you fill out the information and they get the paperwork from said doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. I don't even tell people uh, who my last doctor was. They know. Yeah. There's a paper, there's a digital paper trail. There's a record game. Breadcrumbs. Um. So he, his vision is to clean up the club dues, make it profitable, make people comfortable. Um, so he starts starts his work by telling people to walk, you know, avoid confrontation. So if you'd ask someone to leave, walk them out. Get someone else's help to walk them out. They're like, well, what if someone tells my mother to go fuck herself or whatever he said? Mm-hmm. Walk them out with a smile. So basically he was trying to turn cl- uh, uh, double deuce into <laughs> a Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> which he kind of did which lines up with uh cocktail right <laughs> he's true. like he's like let's make this place into a tgi fridays and get uh tom cruise in here which if you think about it, it's kind of cutting edge man because they, they they were right on that trend making flare drinks yeah just making shitty food and worse drinks yeah um, be for, nice. for a ton of profit be mm-hmm. nice kill them with kindness that's right that's, that's right that's dalton's mo well that's you know as we're creeping i think it was uh uh, Michael Moore in his latest documentary, mm-hmm. he talked a little bit about what what fascism would look like in the U.S. And uh, his take is that it would be a smiling, it'd be a friendly fascism. Yeah. So I don't know. That's neither here nor there. But when it, you know this whole uh, kill him with kindness, yeah. just be nice the whole time. He's still trying to exert uh, control, and underneath that that smile is um, is the threat of violence and physical harm. Right. <laughs> be nice. <laughs> Until it's time not to be nice. Well, how do we know when it's time to not be nice? I'll tell you. And uh, he's uh, he's like the pit boss from uh, Casino in this. You know? I was going to say there's another Casino like vibe because he, you know Gazara, all his uh, relatives were working for. Him. It reminds me of that scene when Sam Rothstein fires that one redneck uh, poker dealer. Yeah, and the guy gets him back in. He's my cousin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a little parallel with Casino there. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, so the first night, he's kind of like the consultant from Office Space who's there to downsize the company. You know, he just sits there and he drinks his black coffee and he watches how all the employees interact. And then the next day, he comes in and he, uh, first thing he does is he, he fires a guy, fires one of the staff. Mm. And um, that scene also reminds me of Reservoir Dogs. I think Quentin Tarantino definitely watched this movie because in Reservoir Dogs, when um, they're planning the bank heist, yeah. it's a scene just like this. And he's like, it's my way or the highway. Right. And then, you know, that's echoed in Reservoir Dogs when uh, when Joe says that. So, yeah, uh, it's it's cool, man. I'm, I'm watching this movie and I'm seeing and, and feeling connections to other films that i've seen in a not cliche way a lot of similarities between this yeah. and other films uh but um but he 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 fires everybody man he cleans up the town he fires steve for having sex in the storage closet mm-hmm. i'm not gonna have sex in a storage closet who are these people that are going back there to have sex with steve in a storage closet i mean the same people that get into seven different fights in one night i guess idiots uh, also, who continues to uh, frequent a bar where there's fist fights all the time? Unless you yourself are attracted 
to having up up to getting punched in the face. I mean, I don't, this whole movie just seemed like like a Chuck Norris like melatonin wet dream. Now I looked I looked up Jasper, mm-hmm. Missouri, and it's got nine hundred people live in that small town. Really, that is uh, there aren't demographically you could not fill the double deuce more than once a week. So you would have to fight everybody in that town at least three times yes. based on their numbers. Yeah, and when when uh when and then he fi- he fires uh Pat from skimming the till. Yeah. You know. And what do you do you how what are all the scams that people can use to rip off the bar they work at? I don't know how skimming the till really works. But maybe it's because I just haven't you I know worked in a bar. Not charging people for drinks and just pocketing the money. But then does the bar how, how does the uh bar know like how much of the bottle has been drunk? Do they measure bottles at the end of every night, or are they weighed? They do an inventory uh, monthly, typically. I mean, depending on the bar you work at, people weigh kegs. It's not. There's no foolproof system, and the overhead on alcohol is so ridiculous. The markup that it's like hard to tell. Like you'd have to be taking a lot for a long time for people to really notice. But there's definitely shady ways to play it. I've seen a lot of people do it. I would just water down all the all the drinks. Well, that's just mean to the customer. Or uh, water down the bottles. Sure. I mean, people do that. Yeah. Or just fill them with uh, rubbing alcohol. alcohol. Sure. Kill people. (laughs) Hey, man. Castor oil. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Or uh, get uh, well well whiskeys and put um, pour well whiskeys into the uh, top shelf bottles. People do that. That's very illegal. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. You're definitely not allowed to do that. The people that sell the, the liquor would be really bad. Um, sure. So, well, I don't know. Pat Pat seems like he's doing it the dumbest way possible because he's just taking money out of the register and putting it in his pocket. <laughs> yeah, that's. Well, he's also protected. He's connected. He doesn't really worry about that. I think. He knows yeah. That his job is safe if he's, even if he steals. Yeah, he's don't, he don't. he's the the rich, the son of the rich guy who's always had extra time on his yeah. tests. Even oh, I didn't know he, he didn't was his it. son. I know he was like a relative. Uh, he's his. Uh, I think he's They're his all, nephew. Yeah. But uh, something, yeah. We never meet his mother, but his uh, his mother is um, Brad Wesley's sister, right? So uh, when when we first get into the double deuce and we see Dalton there, I thought this would be a great rock star video game, like a Grand sure. Theft Auto almost. Yeah, uh, Grand Theft Auto meets Double Dragon. You know, like you you drive from town to town and you have to kick ass in in uh, brawls. Yeah, all over the place. And level up, you know, into like, bigger and bigger clubs. Pit Fighter was a game like that, remember? Yeah. You fight in front of groups of people. And finally you make it to the big city and you gotta, yeah. you gotta like, kill a whole bunch of uh, disco mafia goons at a Studio 54. I feel like they just digitized the entire crew from the Double Deuce to put into that movie, that game Pit Fighter. Remember? You were sitting around, <laughs> you get knocked into the crowd and they would push you back in. Good yeah. Man. This, what a... I, it, like it's just ludicrous to me because who nobody's looking nobody's looking to continue to get into fights and it's the same people fighting every night you know yeah, always but uh the, in the first I don't know I don't know a lot of I, fist fights and sexual creepiness there's so much sexual creepiness very in this. date rape rape culture uh, heavy and like you know i we saw it in saturday night fever where there was like go-go dancers in the, in the club mm-hmm. uh topless and here we you know we we get some of that in this bar too right and uh there's a band there's a house band in this bar mm-hmm. and i led by white uh a, a a white uh blind guy yeah yeah he's real he's like a real canadian guitar player white ray charles that's yeah. where I was going but uh, white people, I'm listening to this, and I just think they love the song "Bad to the Bone." Sure, <laughs> they love like blues rock, like the '80s. Mm-hmm. I was looking at like you know the charts in the '80s, and and it's it's pretty cool. You know, you've got like in in reality, you had bands like uh, well, you did have hair metal bands, and you had sure. Tesla, and you had Sepultura. You doing... mean the five man acoustical jam Tesla? Yeah, and you had Mr. <laughs> Big, 
and you had uh but did then you, you did say sepultura yeah i don't put them in that category no but they were like a, that was like a ground oh, right, right. thrash band like these were the, the music that young people were actually listening to mm. and then you also had uh bands like you had bobby brown you had paul abdul you had millie vanilli who was listening to these like weird must like muscular blues rock redneck, bands. redneck fist fighters it's you know it's honestly the entire soundtrack to this sounds like songs that alvin and the chipmunks would cover (laughs) they actually covered a door song too in this one roadhouse blues it's like music that nine-year-olds think is tough rock and roll yeah (laughs) 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 you know when you were like nine and ten that shit amped you up i remember i was like this is tough yeah yeah absolutely this and like werewolf of london But um, man, like none of this music seems like the type that would really like amp up a crowd of uh, of uh, brawlers. I don't think those guys needed help getting amped up. Yeah, yeah, and I would, and also I would never play in a club if I showed up on day one to the gig and I saw that there was a a barp like a chain link fence protecting yeah, chicken, me from the audience. Chicken wire. Also, how is glass not getting into yeah. the fucking cage? I'm like, I don't want to be in this steel shark tank in the corner. Yeah, I'm out of here. Ugh, bad. And the, but the band stays the whole time. They're there forever. They keep coming back. And who like I think it's their only gig, man? You know, part part of why people come to see a live band is because of the novelty of mm-hmm. the band. So it, it doesn't seem financially uh, like a good partnership to to keep playing in the same venue over and over again. Like, go on tour, get out of there, <laughs> grow, <laughs> grow. And who and and like, there's lines out the door to continue to see them. Like, people love this band. It's nonsense. It's, it, it's it. nonsense. Is a good way to put it. Unbelievable. This movie kind of reminded me of Lionheart. Tell me more. Like Redneck Lionheart. You remember the Lionheart film? Film. I love that I use the term film. I thought I thought Lionheart you were gonna. Movies. I thought you meant Braveheart. No, 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 no. Lionheart was a John Claude Van Damme pit fighter movie that <gasps> took place in. Uh, have you not seen it? No. It took place in L.A. And it was like a, a street fighting circuit. Yeah. Oh man. Watch Lionheart. That sounds great, man. We need to do a little bit more Jean Claude Van Damme in this. You yeah. know, Bloodsport, that's a great one. Better fighting, less uh less acting. Less focus on the acty, more fighty. A hard target. Yeah. Yeah, this movie has a lot of fighting and none of it is good. Yeah. Swayze always looks like he's on the verge of like a da- like a pirouette. Like uh-huh. a dance move. He's very dancey. He kind of stomps around like what what's that shit where they you, you teach horses how to dance? He looks like a dressage horse. <laughs> like stu- like just like ponying around. I uh, remember watching a gun, uh, the documentary on guns, germs, and steel, mm-hmm. and how the uh, Spaniards would teach their horses how to uh, almost like ballet dance side to side, and it was so effective when when they were fighting uh, Native Americans, indigenous peoples, because they'd never, you know, one the uh, the Incans and the and the Aztecs were like, what, what, what is a horse? Are these centaurs? Who are these? Men on horseback, but then also just that style of like being able to daintily move mm. nimbly on top of a horse. Nimbly, nimbly, yeah. So, um, I, that could be uh, the uh, precursor to to this horse dancing mm. that you speak of now. Dressage, yeah. Say it again. Dressage. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a like a like a, a French culinary technique <laughs> it's what you do to a chicken you're putting thyme and butter on it <laughs> <laughs> yes sir uh this, this is fun yeah this is we're having a good time we're having a good, this is the first time we haven't had a guest in a while i know it's nice it's, it's this is one of the this is what is this original formatting this back to the back back to our roots original yeah. formatting uh let's see so we're in this town <laughs> this town fucking sucks man jasper the demographics are ludicrous. There's one. Yeah. There's like one bar. Mm-hmm. There's barns. There's a general store, uh, and yet there's a line around the block to come listen to this '80s retro hard rock. Well, you know what people do in impoverished small towns? What's that? Listen to music and drink a lot. Oh, so much drinking. Yeah. This reminds me of the town in Sons of Anarchy, which is another absurd <laughs> TV the, show. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> it's just like Mayberry USA with a bunch of leathered, like, baby boomer he Yeah, running drugs and, like, lots of guns. Yes. That never made sense to me. Yeah, so so we're seeing, like, a Anytown USA from our nostalgic, mythic mm-hmm. past sort of being corrupted yeah. by uh, by thugs. On a side note here. Yeah. 1989 uh, trivia. Not trivia. Um when Boris Yeltsin visited the U.S. in 89, he uh, went to a 
uh, supermarket yeah. outside of Randall, Texas. Uh huh. And was shocked at what he saw in the supermarket. The amounts of food and availability of all these products to he people. Goes, what is what is uh, nutter butter? He quoted, yeah, right? Yeah. What's marshmallow fluff? Yes. He, he was quoted as saying, he actually started to rethink communism at that point. And he goes, what have we done to our poor people? Because he's seeing people in poor area, poor rural areas of America with access to all kinds of food at you know decent prices where... In Russia at the time, people were waiting in line – in the USSR. Yes. Time, people were waiting in line for uh, hamburgers and blue jeans that cost so much money and he literally destroyed yeah. the working class with – well, they destroyed the working class. Yeah. He's like – but you know, the West – what if, – if you're in Russia and you're like, well, we've uh, created uh, socialized medicine for everyone um, – Within uh, 50 years, we have uh, nuclear power. Everyone has electricity. And yet, all of our youth, they are running to get the genes that are blue and to listen to the music of a, of a pedophile. Yeah. Michael, uh, who is, what does bad mean? What does bad mean? Well, I think we figured bad it out. Bad is not good? Certain, Russia is, uh, is the perfect byproduct of complete corruption. <laughs> so, yes. You know. So, uh, you, you know. What you uh, sow. As much as uh, as much as people want to blame uh, communism for how terrible things were in Russia, I mean they had to catch they had to catch up. Well, I think specifically for poor people, he said. Yeah, he's like, well, I can't believe how badly we've treated our poor. Yes, as he sees people outside of that small shitty rural town. I didn't wow. mean to say shitty. That's mean. You know what else? Uh, I just watched this documentary on Chernobyl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, that's nuts. We have any? We don't even uh, think about Chernobyl any like right now. There's, but it's insane. They're testing. They still test the animals, and they have seventy-five times the level of radiation that's deemed acceptable. Yeah, and and, and they're still they still exist. There is a, a, a like radiation dust, zone the size wolf. of a small country. Yeah, that uh, will be contaminated for twenty-five thousand years. Yeah, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, they've just got to keep building these. Uh, Big leadened uh, concrete sarcophagi yeah. on top of the old reactors, right? To keep them, to keep it from like continuing to radiate out. And for some reason, they left up that fucking dilapidated Ferris wheel, <laughs> which is like a perfect, <laughs> a, a perfect monument. Yeah. So, well, you know, we've never had that happen here. It's true. That's that's not yet. Uh, not uh, yet. Three Mile Island was, you know, something. Sure, yeah. sure. Well, it it wasn't so bad that other countries were like, "Dude, you have let out a radioactive fart." Right. That is also Homer Simpson's meltdown at the Springfield <laughs> nuclear power plant was a bad one. Yeah, blamed it on Tibor. Uh, back to back to Roadhouse. Aww, okay, nineteen eighty nine. Here we go, man. So Sw- so Swayze Stalton, he is uh, he's in it now, man. He's in, he's in the thick of uh, some drama. Mm-hmm. You know, he's fired a whole bunch of people. Uh, from the double deuce and now they keep coming back for punishment like he's had to kick the same five goons asses <laughs> you know, one guy especially who like, got his ass kicked by everybody like four or five times man and and you think that's one one place i have to ding this movie is that there should have been a higher body count like bring in more goons import more bad guys i wrote down that i there was in the beginning first hour of this film there was a surprising lack of murder Yes, like all of this could have been alleviated with like a couple of a couple of snuffs here and there. Mm-hmm. Mm. And also, uh, Dalton is living in a barn that he's rented out from an Uncle Jesse type character. Uncle Jesse was exactly what I thought. He looks right out of Dukes of Hazard, hundred percent. And uh, he uh, he's got a big soup catcher beard. This mm-hmm. guy's beard has to be so dirty. Yeah, I don't know how people groom and keep the, their beards clean when they're that that big i don't know it's gross but uh he uh you know it's the type of beard where you gotta like pull it push it to the side mm-hmm. over your shoulder when you're gonna eat food yeah. so uncle jesse he he lets uh dalton have a space in his barn and it, it's like a pretty cool loft space a really nice spot for 100 bucks a month yeah it looks great yeah but it's right across this pond from um brad wesley's mcmansion right so the the antagonists in this film they are like just staring, making hard eye contact at each other across this pond the entire movie, and that's also kind of like a, a weirdly unbelievable thing where you, where you know that the big boss, the big heavy, the guy that you finally have to defeat at the end of the film is staring at you the whole time. It's true. 
And then, uh, like he could have just taken a canoe or <laughs> <laughs> over to the a mansion in Act One and lit the whole place on fire, right? And ended this. Well, as a, as a, a slight uh, to thicken the plot, um, after Swayze's first inca- first fight at uh, Double Deuce, I keep calling to call it Club Deuce. Yeah, there's a bar in Miami that I like called Club Deuce. Anyway. Uh, he meets a doctor who's uh, helping him after he got stabbed. Yeah, and she looks like a total square and nerd. Yeah. A, a first scene, you know, she's got the giant glasses. Other than the fact that she's aesthetically ridiculously good looking. Um, he falls for her. She falls for him. Plot twist is she's Gazara's niece. Well, not, Gaz- not Gazara's niece. Uh, Red, who is the uh, this guy named Red Webster. And Red Webster is uh, the um, general store owner. Oh. Yes. So Red's another. The thing is, is that we meet all of these other small business owners in the town. I was too busy in, taking notes. In Jasper. Yeah. And this is, the, so So our, our victims in this are all the small business owners. Of course. <laughs> As are in life. Yes. Mm-hmm. The downtrodden right. uh, put upon petty tyrants. Oh, I thought it was Gazara's... Uh... No, so like you know, because um, he had that scene where he, they're having sex on the roof of the barn, and he can see them clearly. Gazara's crushing on her. He wants. Oh, that's he what wants it was. Her. I got you. Yes. Well, that's. Uh, I, I I feel embarrassed now. Yeah. No. 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 No oh. need to feel embarrassed. It's, it's Roadhouse. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's easy <laughs> with all the fisticuffs and uh, yeah. honky tonk music. Kick, it's punch, easy. Kick, punch. Punch. Kick. <laughs> Roundhouse. Yeah, you might forget a couple plot points. I'm really not embarrassed. Yeah, it's totally fine. I'm going to be okay. So, uh, but yeah, she, she, uh, and this is an unrealistic romance, I think, because she's like the smartest, she's the, you know, educated. Mm-hmm. And he's, uh, he's like, I take punches for money. Yeah. That's my job. Also, I, have I get a PhD stabbed. from Columbia. Yeah, which I clearly fucking didn't use at all. Yeah. Since I do this. <laughs> um, and so. <laughs> what a waste of like years of your life. Yeah, like, great, great. You've read Kierkegaard, and now you're still, like, you know, making sure people are uh, get stamps mm. when they come into the bar. That's right. Having a little clicker to measure the <laughs> head count, how many covers you're doing. Yeah. High tech. And he's not even, like, a, like a sort of world-weary and wise bartender poet, like, nice. a, like a Bukowski. Yeah, right. He's... He... <laughs> He's hung out in New York, Jasper, and Memphis, Tennessee. Yes, very odd grouping. And Dalton, he's he's got a cloud that uh, you know follows him everywhere he goes, kind of like P- Pigpen Stink Cloud. And that is that he uh, he he's a uh, the the rumor is that he's murdered someone, murdered a man in Memphis, just to and, watch him die. That's right. Yeah. Ooh. And uh, but we realize that he killed this guy because uh, he was he was having a, an affair. You know, a fling with mm-hmm. a woman he thought was unattached. But lo and behold, she was lying. She had a husband. Husband shows up, pulls a gun on our boy Dalton. And uh, he kills the dude in self-defense. Let me tell you something about Dalton. He does not like having guns pulled on him. No. He will rip your throat he out. He will rip your fucking throat out. <laughs> yeah, which we see brutally in this movie. Signature move. Yeah, it's a, a three-finger claw mm-hmm. that like he does. Mortal Kombat fatality. Yeah, it's, it's eagle like a, fist. It's like a cross between that and the thing from Crocodile Dundee where he tries to lure the animals to sleep with his fingers. And you'd think because he knows that all this weird. kung fu that he uh, maybe has a Mr. Miyagi-type mentor that's helped him when he's out there his doing, way. Yeah, when he's out there doing Tai Chi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But no, he doesn't have a Mr. Miyagi. He's got a Sam Elliott. Yeah. A Sam Elliott uh, who, who plays the legendary uh, aging cooler, Wade Garrett. A road dog, as I he, think he should have been called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and you know what he really needs? He needs something, uh, like something to tie up his hair into a man bun. Because he keeps trying to, he's got to keep pulling his long hair out of it his does, face. does not seem conducive to good fighting. He did it like three different times. Yeah, you think a, like a seasoned street fighter is going to shave their head. So right. that you don't, you don't have anything to grab onto. Right. You know, you don't want you don't want your enemy to uh, to grab your hair and then start smashing your face into the concrete. Or maybe you do. Maybe it gets you. Maybe it's like a Hulk Hogan thing where he gets more jacked up. Yeah. Maybe he's a glutton for punishment. Mijo. Hey, Mijo. Mijo there we go. He calls him my son in Spanish. Okay. Yep. All right. These guys have this weird, uh, like Tex-Mex cowboy thing going on. Well, they apparently work together in Arizona. Oh, hey, I met a, a we time. met in Arizona, so yeah. I'm going to call Yuma. you Mijo. 
310 of Yuma. Yeah. Hey, you're too good for this place, Dalton. Why don't we all just uh, pull up stakes and hop into our Corvette and drive off into the sunset? I love that Sam Elliott sees that. He's like, man, there's nothing good here. He's yeah. like, just go. Just let's go. Look, let's find, let's find a wa- – I know this great uh, waffle house in Tuscaloosa. and We'll just – Drive, drive off into the sunset. You know, we could, we could be in Chattanooga in four days, and there's a rib joint there, and another honky tonk. And he should have just listened to him. He yeah. said he got him killed. That's right. He Those did. things escalate. Fires get set. People's small businesses are are blown up. A monster truck runs over a. Uh... A car dealership. This monster truck is just, it's like they inserted an awesome thing for eight-year-old boys yeah. into this movie with no rhyme or reason. Yeah. It's awesome that there's a monster truck mm-hmm. in this, but they really didn't need it. No. And also, they didn't end up using it as fully as they could have. It, this monster truck was Bigfoot from uh, Monster Truck Rallies. It was, yeah. Yeah, and that was big during this era. But also, that there's a scene where the monster truck rolls over a whole used car uh, dealership mm-hmm. lot, and it cost $500,000 to film that scene. And, and it's a totally useless scene. <laughs> like, they could have found a better use for that $500. Yeah, like uh, $500,000. $500,000, yeah. yes. They could have just set a fire again. And in the final scene, we have uh, we have like this assault on the mansion, mm-hmm. and our, our boy goes total like a predator, yeah, and just you know it's a breaking breaking and entering fantasy with him picking off all of the goons. But uh, I made a mistake. I actually, if I I predicted that there would be Chekhov's monster truck that it would come back nah. during this scene, yeah, and uh, and smash into the mansion, and I was wrong. And if we ever remake roadhouse mm. because i know somebody's going to come to us and ask us to do that <laughs> i will have a monster truck as part of the final scene right yeah it's funny that you mentioned predator because due to a knee injury he sustained during uh, the filming of this movie yeah patrick swayze was up for the role of predator 2 danny glover's role really he couldn't take it um and he was also offered uh, gabriel cash and tango and cash wow he had to reject both of those because he was hurt and he wanted to do something safer so he instead uh took the role in ghost Oh, jeez! Did wonders for his career. Yeah, Tango. Neither of those films would have done him any good. No. I would have loved them because I love watching Patrick Swayze as an action star. Sure, I've learned that now from uh, Roadhouse. Yep. You, yes. Yeah. This has made me reevaluate my relationship to the Swayze. But yeah, I mean, I, I, Point Break was an action film, but you couldn't really. It wasn't really like a. I guess it was almost primarily stunt based. Not a lot of fighting though. Guns, robberies, and, and like uh, extreme sports. Yep. It's like the X Games of uh, Roadhouse X Games. Man. This was movie was made into an off-Broadway production, by the way, in 2003. I don't know how the fuck that would have worked. <laughs> uh, and it had a really long title, Roadhouse, the stage version of the cinema classic that starred Patrick Swayze. Mm-hmm. Except this one stars uh, Tamiak from the 80s cult classic Last Dragon, which is interesting. All right. I don't know how they did that. Or why. Why they did that. Well, uh, we have um, we have an almost death by stuffed polar bear in the final scene. Correct. We've got some great... I, I actually think there's some great kills in this movie. Uh, I, I think that they could have been done with better special effects. You know? Yeah. More squibs. There's a guy getting shotgunned in the back. Could have used a, a little bit more blood. Right. Um, and then ultimately, I think one big tension in this film is uh, Swayze doesn't want to kill anybody. You know, he's, he, he, uh, he killed that guy in Memphis, self-defense. This time around, he's trying to do it without uh, killing anybody, but it's led to more people getting um, hurt. Right. His, like, restraint. Uh, also, he is uh, he's a bad leader of his team. Like, this double-deuce group of bouncers keeps getting better and better, and the bar gets better and better. They take the chicken wire off Mm. the uh, stage. Everyone's wearing monochromed red shirts. Yeah, and there's, like, a pretty cool fight scene where uh, his shadow, like, uh, his doppelganger, Jimmy, who's an ex-con martial artist who works for Brad Wesley, shows up with a pool cue, Mm. and um, all of the the guys in red, his 
uh, Swayze's team of bouncers yeah. encircle him, and they look at Swayze like, well, what should we do, boss? Yeah. And Swayze clearly can tell that this guy is a martial artist, like a total badass. Yeah. And yet he waves his idiot troops on into battle. I know. They look like a bunch of Comp USA salesmen <laughs> with those shirts on. <laughs> He's got all the genius bar dudes just trying to fight yeah. uh, like uh, a competent bow staffsman. Yeah, just like a bunch of salesmen from Staples want to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, and he waits until they get their asses kicked before he jumps in. That's not the right move. Like, why would you uh, throw away all of your pawns for no reason? Well, it would have been anticlimactic. But that's why. Yes. Um, yeah, he ends up ripping his throat out eventually in a in a in a fight by the by the lake by the man made lake he lives yeah, on. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. Well, and also after the guy says uh, like I I rape guys like you in prison. I used to fuck guys like you in prison. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. What a gross. What a gross bad guy. Yeah. Get out of here, Jimmy. That line became so famous that I'd heard it so many times after you know. In the 90s. Really? On playgrounds? I guess, I guess that's where, yeah, I guess that's, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's where it came from. Yeah. Um, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't, he, that's the only guy he kills in the film, right? Well, uh, yeah, that's right. He only kills him. Everyone else gets killed by, by accident. Because he fucks up Wesley, but he doesn't, he's not the one that puts the uh, death blow on him. No, you know, the, the way that this movie small ends is, uh, small business owners, uh, enact a uh, group lynching, mm. uh, vigilante justice. And they all of the oppressed businessmen who um, Brad Wesley has been uh, extorting money from, they all end up shooting him at the end of the movie. Right. Spoiler alert. And, uh, yeah, so this movie is kind of about small businessmen taking back their power. And uh, Patrick Swayze, his, his character Dalton, has empowered them to stand up for themselves. That's true. Which uh, still doesn't help the working man, I think. You know, he's just he's just empowered the the, the local business board to, to take up violence, yeah, solve issues, yeah. <laughs> it's a very eighties movie. Yeah, well, it is. This movie has everything that an eighties movie needs: big hair, yuppies, a lot of yuppies in this too. Yeah. Neon, foot. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, monster trucks. My final thoughts are. Um, like I said, you know, Swayze should have been in the Expendables. R.I.P. I wish that he was still around. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he would have gone through a career renaissance if he'd, if he'd uh, survived because he's loved for his movies from the 80s. He's got some chops. Yeah, and I, and I think he's, he's honestly not a bad actor. This is, I mean, one of the worst love scenes I've ever seen in a movie. You know, they're fully clothed and uh, having sex, standing up, him smashing a woman against a, a rock wall. <laughs> um. Yeah. They were only naked after they had sex. Yes. That's pretty funny. Naked and uh, meditative. Right. Just wrapped in uh, comforters. Uh, I love watching Ben Gazzara play uh, a villain. He's a good villain. I think he's good as a villain. He got a Razzie for this. So did um, so did Swayze. Yeah. But uh, I, I don't think they deserve those Razzies. And I think the movie is uh, worth watching now. It's it's on Amazon Prime. If you if anybody has that out there, you right. can stream it for free if you've got Amazon Prime. And um, I think that this movie is aged like wine with time. It was listed in the uh, top 50 Raspberry movies, like worst movies of all time that you have to watch. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, Miho, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. There you go. Roadhouse. It's a fun watch. It's a movie for guys who like movies. <laughs> <laughs> you want to see Bigfoot, puffy hair, very overly choreographed fight scenes. Yeah, I give it a six monster trucks out of ten. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> so it's still uh, you know sixty percent. Isn't it's not a passing grade. No, but uh, but it's yeah. Also, yeah, if you want to see uh, Patrick Swayze do a little bit of parkour, right? He does it in this. And some meditative tai chi. You know, read. Watch the trailer and you know what you're getting into. Like I said, I would watch the video game of Patrick Swayze's character and Sam Elliott's character, you know, off fighting uh, fighting crimes um, across the country as two cooler bouncers. Yeah. True. Well, everybody, uh, that has been another episode of Eat, Pray, Judge. And we don't have a Patreon yet, but if you feel like... Um, donating any money to the cause i i promise you that if you venmo me at gabriel hyphen pacheco i will uh split this money with sammy hamarne <laughs> <laughs> 
and uh, it really, you know, it, it'll help us um, uh, keep putting these out because we love what we do and we love putting out a movie review once a week. Uh, you can also listen to us on Spotify, I found out recently. So, how about that? Oh, yeah. We've been on Spotify. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye.